Good morning. This is Darrell Gunter, your host on Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to put your seatbelts on because we're going to go to outer space. We have a returning guest, the famous Dr. Scott Parazinski, who is the author of the book, The Sky Below, as well as his has his new venture, his new company called Fluidity Technologies Incorporated. Scott, welcome back to the program. Thank you for interrupting your extremely busy schedule to talk to us about fluidity, talk about your new book, but just catch up on life in general because your life is one big exploration, whether it's climbing Mount Everest, whether it's walking in in space uh, at the International Space Station. Welcome back, Scott. Uh, It's great to be back with you. I'm I'm really thrilled uh, uh, to be with you and also with your listeners. yeah, life life has uh, treated me, you know, incredibly well. I feel very very blessed and charmed to uh, have had the opportunities that I've had, and you know, to have uh, had a you know wonderfully supportive parents and great education that kind of led uh, to the opportunity for me to fly in space. And um, you know, since the since my retirement in um, in two thousand and nine from NASA, uh, there have been other adventures, other ex- expeditions, other explorations. You know, life is. Uh, life is an adventure and um, you know, you, you got to keep moving and keep challenging yourself. And my latest uh, adventures, you know, you mentioned a couple of them, but uh, you're writing a book is not easy. I, I believe, <laughs> I believe you've written a book. Uh, am I right? Uh, not yet. I'm working on oh, it. <laughs> yeah, okay. You need to, you, you, you sir need to write a book, but um, one of the more difficult things I've ever done. And then of course, you know, doing a tech startup is uh, it's exhilarating and exciting, but it's incredibly challenging too. So. Well, yeah. let's before we jump into uh, fluidity, let's talk about the sky below because in there, there are so many leadership lessons. One in particular was at the beginning of your book, you gave credit to the crew of the STS-120 in regards to the team that worked with you to repair, I guess it's the solar shield that was in the International Space Station. One of the solar arrays, correct, yes. Yes. I mean, that was a team of what, eight, eight or nine people? We, we had uh, uh, seven shuttle crew members and three on the International Space Station. But then on Earth, uh, in mission control and then engineers at the Johnson Space Center and others in California, working around the clock for 72 hours, had to figure out a way to get an astronaut, turned out to be me, uh, out to the very tip of the space station, further than we'd ever gone before, using a cobbled together uh, robotic arm system, using tools that had never been invented before, um, and other procedures that had to be almost you know, uh, invented on the fly to, to go do something that was you know, very difficult and, and um, higher risk than, than we typically like to accept. But uh, th- this plan that came together by these brilliant people worked perfectly. It was, it was a home run. And, and, as, as I like to point out, I, I think it's one of the, um, you know, the greatest achievements of the, the space shuttle and space station era. And I, I dedicated the book to this group of folks because uh, I, I think their story needs to be told. And, um, and so a, a good part of the latter uh, chapters of my book are really focus on this really uh, epic, <laughs> uh, audacious repair that uh, required so many different people to work together at their very best. And, and it, now, as I said, it turned out perfectly. Now, from a leadership perspective, it really, what are, what are the, the key characteristics of this high-performing culture 
um, that makes it work so well under extreme circumstances. And the pressure is unbelievable. The, the, the pressure was enormous, uh, just to set the stage for it. If uh, we hadn't re been able to repair this uh, uh, solar panel, we probably would have had to have gone out and thrown away a billion dollar national asset and then European and Japanese modules that were yet to be launched might not have been able to fly. There wouldn't have been enough power on the International Space Station. So we would have let down our international partners. The, the stakes were incredibly high, but the risks going out to do something were also uh, extremely significant. Um, working around a solar panel, you, you can't turn it off. Even in the shadow of Earth, behind, uh, behind the Earth in what we call orbital night, it's still generating lots and lots of electricity. So getting a, a spacewalking astronaut anywhere near there is, is something that we never want to do. But on occasion, leaders uh, and team, team members have to accept a higher degree of risk for a higher degree of reward. And this is one of those circumstances. And um, so we had a, a brilliant flight control team in Houston led by a gentleman by the name of Derek Hosman, who was ultimately responsible for the success of our and safety of our mission. And then my commander, Pam Melroy, the, the space shuttle commander, and another leader, uh, Peggy Whitson, who is the space station commander. So we had all these, uh, you know, senior leaders working together. Um, uh, but the, the whole environment was incredibly collaborative and, um, we sought out dissenting opinion and uh, we were willing to, um, to uh, make uh, um, some educated guesses on how things were going to work. But the, the overarching goal was we're going to make this safe. And uh, if it doesn't work, uh, the repair on the first attempt at a spacewalk, NASA will come up with a way. We'll go back and do plan B or plan C or plan D. We'll, we'll get there, but let's, let's do this safe. And, and so that culture of safety was pervasive. And the other thing that I would point out is that um, all of us uh, believed and in practice what we called situationally appropriate leadership. So there were times when the, uh, the most junior person on the team uh, would have the, the greatest situation awareness, would have the, the best idea. We, we wanted to make sure that we listened to everyone around the, the table. And that, you know, even if we're floating in space around the table, <laughs> you know, uh, listened to everyone uh, on the team. And, um, and also there was a, a process of delegation of responsibility. So I was the lead spacewalker. So ultimately I had the responsibility for the, you know, the success of, of the conduct of that spacewalk. But my partner, Doug Wheelock, who was out there with me, he was my spotter. And, and uh, you know, there were times when uh, the, uh, you know, the, he had the greater situational awareness. He, he had a greater view of what was happening with the solar panel as we were repairing it and, uh, and uh, turned over the communication to him. And so that, that, that kind of collaboration you see uh, every day at NASA and, and I try and weave it into the organizations that I work with as well to this day. And that's a great uh, segue into my next question in, in regards to what are those best practices that you've brought into fluidity. But before you answer that, Tell us about fluidity. What I mean, you 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 you're, you're being recognized by one of the, the largest consumer shows in the world uh, for fluidity. What is fluidity, and what problem does fluidity solve? Oh, thanks. Yeah, no, we're really excited about uh, um, the Consumer Electronics Show and being acknowledged as a, an innovation honoree in robotics and drones. And so we'll we'll be uh, 
displaying our technology uh, in January in, in Las Vegas at this big show, but we're, we're in the midst of um, our first product release, a product called the FT Aviator, Fluidity Technologies Aviator device. And it's a single-handed uh, controller for drone flight. So um, they, in a single hand, rather than using your two thumbs, you, you can manipulate a drone very precisely uh, through space with minimal training, providing you know, tactile feedback to, to what's happening on board the drone and other situational awareness cues and, and more uh, logical ways to control the camera assets on a drone, which is the main reason that people fly them in the first place is to get really wonderful imagery. Right. So, uh, but the, the, the history of fluidity actually stems back to the space program, uh, believe it or not, uh, in, in my experience in it, working and in, in living in space, figuring out ways to very efficiently move from point A to point B. Um, it's not only your physical location, but the trajectory that you take to get there, the way that you reorient your body going from one side of the ship to the next. And I, I recognize that the ways that we, we fly aircraft and move robotic arms and, and operate surgical robots are very, very uh, uh, training dependent, uh, rather clunky in nature. And I, I realized that there had to be a better way to do this in a more uh, natural way. The, the way we know uh, the position of our hand relative to our wrist and uh, our thumb relative to our, the rest of our hand. And so I, I leveraged that uh, neurophysiology, basically, in the creation of our first product. Uh, this product that I, we're selling now on Kickstarter, it's, uh, in fact, today is a, a pretty special day. We may actually uh, complete our funding round on, uh, on the Kickstarter platform. So, uh, uh, but it's, it's a, just a, a wonderful way to uh, very naturally move a drone out in the sky. And we hope to one day be able to leverage that for computer gaming and computer-aided design, virtual and augmented reality, even surgical robot, robotics, perhaps. Wow, that is huge. And where can folks find this on Kickstarter? Fluidity the, the, Technologies Kickstarter? The, the easiest way probably would just be to go to our website. Uh, mm -hmm. It's www.fluidity.tech. And there's a, a button very prominently placed there, and that'll take you right to our, our campaign. Well, we'll be sure to promote that as we promote this, this interview so folks can have this opportunity. Because I think what, anything that you decide to do, I think it's going to be successful. So, Oh, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> and so how long have you been working on this at Fluidity Technologies? Well, it's interesting. I, I started, uh, I, I was working as the chief technology officer at a major, major um, medical research institute here in Houston, Texas called uh, the Methodist uh, uh, Research Institute, Houston Methodist Research Institute, and um, it, with the goal of, of uh, simplifying surgical robotics, this was back in 2012, I believe, and um, and I, I left the institution, and it there hadn't been any any real traction with it. That I think they were waiting for someone to uh, to come license the technology, mm. and uh, I saw it languishing there, and I decided, you know. This is so significant, um, an innovation. Um, it, I've got to go do it myself. Um, so I'm, they, uh, they released the IP to me. And uh, so in 2016, I, I founded the company, uh, got it funded, including some of my own uh, resources, of course. And uh, we've, uh, we've now um, 
you know, got a, a quite a bit of IP generated. We've done a lot of engineering work. And we're ready to launch our first product here in uh, February of 2019. So it's uh, it's a long, arduous path to to go from a, a paper napkin idea <laughs> to That's actually right. getting a product on the market. But uh, I'm really proud of all the work that my team has done. Well, that is very, very exciting. Now, when you think about collaboration, you think about leadership, um, what are some of the, the best practices that you have garnered from all of your experience being an ER doctor, being an astronaut, um, climbing Mount Everest? What are the key principles that you're bringing to Fluidity Technologies? Well, oh gosh, that's great. Uh, well, you know, I, I think there's so many different uh, themes that I tug from in my uh, astronaut life that have crossed over to the rest of my professional life. But selflessness, uh, uh, being a self-starter, um, uh, this notion of uh, situationally aware, uh, you know, appropriate leadership, um, actively seeking out uh, dissenting opinions or, or different opinions is, is, is brought a, a set of opinions as you possibly can, um, including from people who uh, you know, come from very different backgrounds. Uh, I, I really love multidisciplinary teams because uh, it's typically the person with the um, least ingrained um, uh, involvement in, a, in an area comes up with the most wonderful out-of-the-box idea. So um, trying, to, trying to assemble you know, very uh, multidisciplinary teams is something that I, I really value. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I guess those, those would be the things that, uh, that really stand out for me. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with astronaut, entrepreneur, mountain climber, uh, Dr. Scott Parazinski, who is the author of the book, The Sky Below, which is a phenomenal read. And you want to think about and talk about leadership, Scott exemplifies this in every way in his book, and it will give us lessons on how we can better lead our teams. And so, and so Scott, when you talk about appropriate leadership, I, you know, I, I, I think I get that, but I've never heard anyone express it like that. What is appropriate leadership? Well, yeah, situationally appropriate leadership is uh, um, the fact that uh, the senior leader can't know it all, can't be down in the weeds in every facet of, of a business unit, for example. And so you have to uh, hire well, of course. Uh, that's, that's really important. Um, you have to, uh, to delegate. And you have to, to recognize that there are times when the, uh, your, your subordinates, uh, even the, the most junior person in the room, may have the best idea. And uh, one, one of the you know, kind of fun anecdotes that I, it's embarrassing anecdote, anecdote uh, mm -hmm. that I describe in my book is uh, in the aftermath of the Space Shuttle Columbia tragedy, um, we were all uh, just overwhelmed and uh, we were all trying to contribute, uh, trying to get us back to flight as quickly and as safely as we possibly could. And I was a part of a team helping develop tools and techniques to uh, repair a shuttle should a damage similar to the Columbia ever happen again. And um, <clears throat> so, you know, I, I had a lot of experience and uh, I'm an inventor and, um, you know, I, I'm quick to kind of uh, come up with ideas. And uh, one of my colleagues 
um, in a very nice way. He, he didn't say this verbatim, but I, I, I like to tell it this way. He said, uh, Scott, you need to shut up more. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought that was great. Um, yeah, it, it, took, it, it kind of stung initially, but when I thought about it, uh, it was absolutely right. Uh, the notion is, you know, the senior person in the room uh, ought to go around the room, listen to the other, other ideas around the table first, and then you can pontificate and, and uh, kind of steer the team towards the right decision. And it's tough to do when you're, when you're in a hurry, um, you uh, um, have deadlines, uh, you, you think that you already know the answer, you know, and senior people oftentimes think that they do know the answer. Sometimes they're wrong, of course. And, um, and so I, I, I try to do this as best I can. Um, it's my nature to kind of uh, be quick and, and uh, keep things moving. But um, that, that really has stuck with me uh, over the years, trying to, uh, um, to delegate um, responsibility appropriately um, and also to try and actively listen um, whenever possible. And how big is your team today at Fluidity well, Technologies? We have uh, five uh, uh, employees, uh, and then we have uh, outsourced engineering. So we have uh, quite a few engineers in California that uh, we oversee directly on this project. And you know, probably by the end of this year, we'll, well, this upcoming year, we'll be up at about 25 people. And so what's interesting is that... I, Believe me, um, I understand what you're going through as a startup because you're utilizing internal resources, external resources. And what type of principles do you use to manage the internal and external teams to keep it collaborative and keep it moving? Yeah, communication is key. And, and so, um, you know, frequent, um, constructive communication. I don't like to uh, have uh, incessant, uh, you know, long meetings, but really purposeful uh, meetings on and uh, and then also to use uh, you know these great collaborative tools that collaboration tools that we have mm -hmm. available now so I'm, I'm a big fan of slack uh, um, smart sheets you know the ability to, to kind of track progress on on projects and um, and then it it's every once in a while picking up the phone or for me as uh, the CEO but also the, the chief technology officer for the company going out and you know being there in the workshop, in the lab with the people doing the work. Um, there's no substitute for that. Um, so it's a combination of, of uh, methods of communication that I think have been most successful for us. So you're, you're, you indicated that your first product is going to be ready to go in uh, 2019. Mm -hmm. And what is that product and what will it do? Great. So the, the FT Aviator is, a, is a, a drone flight controller that will communicate with the world's most popular drones. Uh, they're manufactured by a company called DJI. 72% um, of the market um, are these amazing uh, flying machines that have incredible uh, camera systems and, and will be able to uh, really unlock their fullest potential. Um, it's, it's interesting. Even, even um, very experienced pilots uh, express uh, challenges that they they face They're flying these sometimes extremely expensive assets in the sky um, and so what we do is you know we we give them the ability to reduce their cognitive workload um, it, flying with our controller is almost a subconscious act after a short bit of training with it 
So you can really focus on what you're doing with the drone as opposed to, well, how am I going to get over to that, that sure. cell tower uh, to get <clears> the view that I want? It, it, getting there is, is, is much easier. And then you can really focus on using the, the camera controls that we've also made much more intuitive to operate and, and to acquire that imagery in a, a much more efficient um, and successful way. So, so that, uh -huh. No, no, no please ahead. continue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, uh, so our first product is uh, this uh, uh, drone flight controller called the FT Aviator, and it, it, it's very useful not only for uh, commercial pilots you know, using them for professional means, but also for the hobbyist who has a, you know, a DJI Mavic uh, a drone. Um, we spend a lot of you know, several hundred to you know, maybe $1,500 on, uh, on this asset. A lot of times people will you know, take it out and, and uh, have a, a near miss or a crash, and then they put it, they relegate it to a closet. And we want to you know, have those things, you know, brought out and used uh, by everyone because they're amazing uh, um, assets for work, but they're incredibly fun as well. And, and flying with the FD Aviator really brings out the joy of flight because you, you feel like uh, Luke Skywalker going in uh, to the Death Star because, you know, you're able to really uh, maneuver uh, in a nimble way, in, a, in, a, in an intuitive way that is a lot more fun than using your, your thumbs. So I, I, I've noticed on uh, some of the sports channels, you have these uh, drone flying. Drone uh, racing, racing league. Drone yeah. Racing yeah. League. Yes, yes. <laughs> <clears throat> so I, I guess they're going to be a prime customer for you as well. I, I hope I hope we will get there for them as well. Our, our first market is uh, of course yeah, more professional drones, <laughs> yeah, but uh, and also hobbyist drone uh, users. Uh -huh. But uh, um, the controllers for uh, the drone racers are a little bit different. We have the ability to uh, uh, to communicate with those guys, but um, that's that'll probably be our second. Uh, yeah. commercial product. Believe me, I understand. Focus, focus, yes. focus. That's and right. So, um, if you're able to disclose, what will be the price point for the FT Aviator? Uh, yeah, great. So uh, the, the expected retail price will be $449. However, on our Kickstarter, um, it's actually at 50% discount. So we're actually uh, selling them here in the United States for $225. So it's a really uh, great discount for our first 500 uh, um, customers, and then uh, and then it'll be going up uh, beyond uh, once we sell the, that first first lot of them. Well, <clears throat> this is excellent information because we'll make sure because we have an international audience with uh, leadership with Darrell Gunter on WS mm -hmm. 89.5 FM, and drones is huge over in Europe. Huge Absolutely, over in Europe. So. Mm -hmm. And I'll be over there in a couple of weeks, and I'll be uh, talking about the FT Aviator. Great. Well, you know, another thing I would mention, Daryl, uh, is that uh, we, we just uh, um, opened up sh uh, shipments to Europe um, ah. a, a couple of days ago. So it, it is available uh, for purchase in, in Europe now as well. That is, that is excellent news. And so as we look to the future, um, what does the future look like for Scott Parazinski? I know you also have, I don't know, is it a nonprofit business, but an exploration business I, I saw on your profile? Yeah, so it's very important to me that we per, under, better understand and preserve our oceans. And so I'm affiliated with uh, um, Blue Marble Exploration, which is a, uh, an organization that aims to uh, conduct uh, expeditions, undersea expeditions to study 
the ocean and to advance uh, 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 conservation. And so the, the goal is to develop technologies, uh, documentaries, um, things that you know, open up the oceans for, for more people. Wow, that is that is that is phenomenal. Is there yeah. is there anything that you like to do that you're not able to do because you're so busy with uh, fluidity technologies <laughs> and writing books and and, <laughs> and ocean ocean discovery? <laughs> what, what do you? Well, think hey, I have to say, like, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say this is uh, among the busiest times of my life. You know, it, it, you know, especially with the stress of, uh, you know, bringing a company to life. And, you know, I, I, um, we're, we're been extremely successful so far, but I, I, I also feel, um, uh, uh, responsible to obviously all of my investors. I, I want to, uh, to do very well by them because they've, they've entrusted, uh, their resources, uh, to me and my team. And so, um, yeah, I'm working tirelessly on that. Um, but I, 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 do know that this is going to be an incredibly, you know, successful venture, and I'd love to to build it into something that uh, uh, allows us to to be a platform for mobility in these other areas that I mentioned, gaming and virtual reality. But ultimately, my my goal in this is I'd love to be able to have a, a surgeon here in Houston be able to teleoperate uh, uh, surgery in sub-Saharan Africa or in Nepal or some other, even remote parts of our own country here, um, to have the same uh, quality outcomes uh, in faraway lands as we have here in, in my home. So wow. that's, that's the potential that I see for the, the technology. For, in terms of my, my personal uh, you know, uh, activities, you know, spending more time with family and uh, um, you know, spending more time traveling, I, you know, this has been such an intense a uh, couple of years, but uh, I do look forward to a, a nice long vacation once we we nick, knock this one out of the park. <laughs> but, well, I, I really look forward to hearing great things coming out of uh, CES, and and uh, if your schedule permits, we'd love to have you back on the program to talk about the progress of fluidity technologies. Would love to do that. That would be fantastic. And, and so, if you can, can you share with us uh, our audience? Um, what does leadership mean to you and why is it important? Well, that, that's a, a deep question. Um, leadership, uh, I think, uh, in a nutshell means uh, uh, knowing um, when to uh, actively uh, direct the ship and uh, when to, to sit back and, and let the, the, the team uh, navigate it um, collectively. And by and large, um, I'm a consensus builder. And, um, and I, I think that's the most successful way to, to get from point A to point B. Um, only rarely does uh, leadership require a, you know, a, a split second uh, um, uh, autocratic is not the right right term I'm looking for, but a split second decision that doesn't allow for, uh, for reflection and for um, uh, consultation. So um, leadership also means just being able to, to bring out the very best in, in your team and recognizing the strengths and, and also the weaknesses in yourself and in your team and, and, uh, and using all those assets to your, your greatest uh, benefit.
as, as a team. You know, in, in closing, Scott, um, in the forward in your book, a gentleman wrote that he had never worked with you on any of the missions, but what everything that he had heard about you was phenomenal. And it was two key things. He said, Scott is super smart and he's nice, which means <laughs> that he's always open to learn. And as a leader, we always have to be open to learn. Well, yeah, but, uh, Homer Hickam, uh, I, I owe him a lot for saying those nice things about me. I've got very, he's one of my heroes and a, and a wonderful uh, friend and author. Uh, but I, I do agree um, that we have to be open to learn. And, you know, one of the things that uh, I love about my, my day job now and, and my, my job at NASA was every day was a learning day. That's, that makes uh, life exciting. Exactly. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank Dr. Scott Parazinski for coming on our show. He's the author of the book, The Sky Below. Believe me, it, it is a phenomenal read. You will enjoy it. You will learn from it and it will inspire you. Uh, Scott, thank you for coming on the program. Great to see you. Great to talk to you. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up this week on Leadership with Darrell Gunter on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at doctor at uh, WSOU.net. If you've missed any of Scott's previous interviews, go to iTunes because he is a three-time guest now. So that wraps it up for this weekend on Leadership with Darrell Gunter. Have a great weekend. And remember, leadership begins with you.